The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Well, I'm delighted that we're joined for the Culture Club today by former Miss World Rosanna Davison, who is an ambassador for Cystic Fibrosis Ireland's 65 Roses Day. And she'll give us details about that in a moment. But Rosanna, thank you very much, first of all, for joining us. But I have to ask, how are you and how are all the little children? How many are there at this stage? It's hard to keep count. Not as many as you, um, but we have three. So we have Sophia, who's two, and then our twin boys, Hugo and Oscar, who are 16 months. And I'm sitting here. The boys are actually out for a walk at the moment. And Sophia's having her nap. I'm sitting here by the baby monitor, just praying she doesn't suddenly wake up screaming. I remember um, what that was like. It's, it's it's a lot of work when you have three small children, uh, two and under. It is. It is. I mean, they're obviously demanding and everyone needs the same thing at the same time. And, uh, you know, there's an awful lot of snacks being um, doled out and that kind of thing. A lot of mess, chaos, noise, but it's really enjoyable. And I know I'll look back with really fond memories of this time, despite how busy and chaotic it is. And lots of people have told me that they miss the toddler years. Um, we just happened to have three toddlers all at once. You know, they weren't spaced <laughs> out. <laughs> like lots of other people spaced their children out. But we're so lucky to have them. And, you know, life has changed an awful lot in the past few years in the best possible way. Yeah, that's good to hear. <laughs> but I'm also very interested in that um, you had a Ukrainian surrogate and for who is a for Sophia. And you've kept in touch with her, haven't you? Have you been able to keep in touch with her during the war uh, that Russia has imposed upon Ukraine? Yes. So we have kept in touch with her over the past couple of years. She gave birth to Sophia in um, November 2019. And, you know, she's been very sweet to keep in touch kind of on birthdays and things like that. Um, So I actually got in touch with her um, in the first few days of the war really in a panic we were extremely worried about her safety and we still are of course uh, she's in a city called Kherson which um, is apparently occupied by um, Russian forces and so I've been checking in on her every day or every second day um, and we we invited her to to come to Ireland if she could with her little girl she is a four-year-old girl and a husky who she's um, sheltering with and she's obviously she, she would love to get out they're ready to go but she doesn't feel comfortable until um, you know trying to leave until they're given a, a green corridor for evacuation so you know hopefully at some point she will make us over to Ireland she knows you know she's got a home to come to um, if and when she she does get out but just remains to be seen seen really what you know what lies in store it's it's just harrowing it's, it's dreadful and that's very good of you to have that horrific. offer available to her uh, did you go to Kirsten yourself in when Sophia was born no we didn't uh, Sophia would have been born in Kiev um, okay but she would have been in utero in Kirsten so you know that's how close a city it is for us and our family and you know that this woman gave birth to our daughter so um if anything happened to her we'd be distraught you know she's obviously incredibly special to us and a very sweet kind person so um we just want to do what we can for her um you know given that she's given us her daughter so um, but even to have gone to Kiev for that and then for what is now happening to that city, it must be hard to process how somewhere that you've been could be the subject of the sort of bombardment that the Russians are imposing upon it. 
It is. It's it's horrific to to watch. I mean, obviously it pales in comparison to what's going on over there. But um, it's a city we are very fond of. We spent about two months there in 2019 and got to know um, the city very well, made friends there. You know, it's a it's a very um, interesting, historic, cultural city, very Western, I suppose, in many ways. You could go onto the high street and see, you know, your Zara, H&M, those kinds of shops. Um, but we just, we really enjoyed our time there and, and, and loved it and loved visiting um, the cathedrals and the museums. We did a lot of cultural stuff. I mean, we were wandering the streets for a good sort of week and a half waiting for Sophia to be born. So we did get to know the place very well. Um, so, yeah, we're heartbroken over over what's happening to the country. We really are. Oh, it is desperate. Anyway, look, I also want to ask you about being an ambassador for Cystic Fibrosis Ireland's 65 Roses Day. Tell us the story as to why it's called 65 Roses Day. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's it's how they teach children to say um, cystic fibrosis because it sounds a little bit like 65 Roses. And it's their annual, it's the biggest fun, fundraising day of the year for Cystic Fibrosis Ireland. It's their, their annual, you know, big fundraising appeal it's taking part or it's taking place at this friday the 8th of april and we're really just asking people to support them in whatever way you can for example by taking part in a 65 roses challenge or donating online at 65roses.ie whatever you can donate or by purchasing a purple rose and participating dun stores or shopping centers and other outlets nationwide so there are various ways to support us and you know we know how generous and supportive Irish people are. So it's just, you know, asking people to do what you can to support those living with cystic fibrosis. Yeah, so the idea is something like walking 65,000 steps, which is a lot of steps in a day, (laughs) or running 6.5k or cycling 65k. The money that's raised, I know there's a target of around €350,000. What would it be spent on? Well, it it goes towards support services for those living with cystic fibrosis. Um, I know that a certain amount of money is going to Ukraine um, for for those living with CF in Ukraine. Um, Money is also being raised for IVF um, for, again, those living with cystic fibrosis in Ireland. Um, Because um, as I mean, I've only learned recently through being an ambassador for the campaign is that um, infertility is a lesser known side effect effect of CF and really Cystic Fibrosis Ireland is looking for ways to support those trying to start a family. So the money you know, will be put to obviously very good use. It's been a tough couple of years as well for for charities and their fundraising campaigns. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of getting out there on Friday the 8th of April and, you know, buying a purple rose. They they look lovely anyway, worn on a jacket or a jumper um, and just, you know, supporting the charity. The website is www65, as in the numbers, 6and5roses.ie. Okay, let's move to the Culture Club choices that you've made for us. And of course, you grew up in a house full of music with your dad and Chris de Berg. Uh, But what was the first single that you remember buying? Do you know what? I remember this so well. It was 1995. I had a little bit of pocket money, probably from... So helping out at home. I was about 11 and I bought Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, uh, probably in Golden Discs at the time. I definitely went in with my mom. I wasn't getting the dart into town on my own at that age or anything. But um, I remember everyone being um, obsessed with the song Ironic, I think it was. Um, 
and playing it in school and, and probably was in fifth form at that stage. Um, but the other single, you know, that's obviously an album, but the single I bought was Wonderwall. Um, so that was another song that was huge at the time. And I remember of being, you know, everyone had to choose Oasis or Blur. So <laughs> I chose Blur back then. But um, yeah, I still remember it so well. It was maybe I was at an age where I was becoming more aware of music and bands. And, you know, it was becoming, I suppose, trendy at that age as well to to become interested in music. Well, Obviously, things are so different now. You have to actually go out and buy your, your discs. Well, let me play a little bit of one of those songs. Alanis Morissette, You Ought to Know. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. I know the version of me Is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you in a theater? Does she speak eloquently? And would she have your baby? I'm sure she'd make a really excellent mother Cause the love that she gave every day Was a baby for the baby Get it up for you to be open wide No And every time you speak her I haven't heard that in many years, Rosanna, but it's really <laughs> aged well, hasn't it? It has. I was actually listening to the album last night and just the nostalgia and, you know, the lyrics are more X-rated now, I realise. But at the time, I don't think I even noticed them. It was just the music we all enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I, it, it still sounds as good as it did back then. Now, we asked you for a favourite album and you had to nominate two for us. So that's fair enough. Uh, so tell us about the first one, Coldplay, A Rush of Blood to the Head. Yeah, it, I suppose I have lots of albums that I enjoy and it is really hard to think of one or even two. But this one I remember so well because it was released, well, at the first two um, singles clocks and the scientists were released back in 2002 I think end of summer kind of time or autumn and I just finished the leaving cert that summer and I was going into first year in UCD and you know that's a formative time I think for a young person becoming an adult you know you're 18 years old you have this newfound freedom of going into to college life and especially freshers week and I remember it just being played all around the campus and at the various events and nightclubs and all those things I was going to. So, um, yeah, I've found memories of that album. Well, let's play a little bit from A Rush of Blood to the Head. You mentioned the track, The Scientist. Come up to meet you, tell you I'm sorry. Let's go back to the start. 
silence apart Nobody said it was easy It's such a shame for us to part Nobody said it was Play there, the scientists from a rush of blood to the head. The second album you've nominated was the soundtrack to the movie Romeo and Juliet. Well, why'd you pick that? <laughs> Again, it goes back to just a time in my life when I was discovering music. I can't even remember what year it was released, but I, I was a huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan. And I had posters and pictures of him on my wall as a teenager. And I just loved the the soundtrack to the film and maybe the, the selection of music they used in the different bands. And I must listen to it again because it just takes me back to, you know, a happy, a happy time in life, I suppose, where, where music and films were becoming sort of part of my my life because you know when you're a child you're not really aware of um th- that sort of world and then was your dad not playing his own music at home for you <laughs> not an awful lot I mean of course he went to his gigs and things like that but you know he was my dad it wasn't that cool to, <laughs> to listen to my dad's music so I was just you know diversifying my musical tastes I suppose and and seeing what else is out there well, we have a track from the soundtrack to Romeo and Juliet. This is the Cardigans, Love Fool. There's another track I haven't heard for a long time. That's a great track again, Love Fool. Still so good, yeah. Okay, so you also, you picked Coldplay as well as a favourite band or artist, but you have a couple of others you want to nominate. Yes, Hosier and Freya Ridings. Hosier is a close friend of my brother's. They went to St. Gerard's together and he was always just knocking around our house, you know, as kind of teenagers. And I just thought, oh, it's my brother's friend. There was a gang of them. And then suddenly he came out with Take Me to Church at this, probably around the end of 2013 or so. And suddenly I was in God, you know, this boy who was in our house for years is really talented. And, you know, I just think he's fantastic. And, um, you know, my brother hangs out with him all the time or whenever they can see each other, they're living in different places half the time. Um, but, yeah, I'm a big fan of his music as well, particularly his first album. 
um, you know, songs like Take Me to Church, Jackie and Wilson, and loads of great tracks on, on that album. But, you know, the second one is great as well. And Freya Ridings? Yeah, I love, I just love her voice and particularly her song Lost Without You. I just played it on repeat um, last year and she's also got a song called Castles, which I love too. But I just think her voice is fantastic. Okay, and before we go to a break, best gig, you went for a reasonably recent one, not long before the COVID lockdown. Yes, well, there are, there are a few I can think of, but the, the most recent, I suppose, pre-COVID, pre-children um, concert was, was the Spice Girls in Croke Park in about May 2019. And again, it was just the nostalgia of it. I was a young teen, so when they emerged, I suppose in 95, 96, I was 11 or 12, I think. And, you know, they just burst onto the music scene and, uh, you know, the, you know the effect, the girl power effect they had and the fashion. And I just thought they were fabulous back then. So it was just lovely to go, to go and see them a couple of years ago when they came to Ireland. And, of course, a few months later, Sophia was born and then we went into lockdown. So um, just great memories of, of that concert a couple of years ago although I will give a special mention to Robbie Williams in Slane in about 99 and then I also went to Coldplay in The Point in 2008 so they stick out in my mind as well. So Rosanna let's get to uh, books because you have picked a book you're not the first person to have picked Patrick Susskind's Perfume Mm -hmm. which is an absolutely terrific novel why have you picked that one? It is. You know, it's a book I, I read years ago. Um, I actually read it twice and it really just, I found it profoundly, I suppose, fascinating, dark, um, sort of harrowing at times, but beautifully written. It's almost poetic in, in how descriptive the writing is. And obviously it was made into a, a movie um, as well. I actually didn't see the movie in the end because sometimes you know, a, a a book or the impact a book has on you can be a little bit maybe diluted by a movie. You know, the movies Absolutely. are never quite the same. Um, so it's a book. Have you written or read it? I have many years ago, but it is absolutely terrific. I mean, the whole thing about exploring the sense of smell and mm. the connections with emotions. It's so evocative and but dark and... I don't know what it says about my mental state, but I, I do love a dark, creepy book um, because I, I also picked a book called House of Leaves um, as as a second book, which had a big impact on me. And again, it's a dark, mysterious, totally bizarre um, book, both in terms of its subject matter and, and how you actually read the book. And I read it years ago as well, but it was another one that had an impact on me. And it's those sorts of books that you remember for a long time and talk to people about. And, you know, if you meet someone who has also read the same book, you know, you can talk for a long time about about what you thought of it and how you found it. So. I'm not familiar with House of Leaves by um, Mark C. Danielowski, but we do have a clip from the audiobook of Perfume by Patrick Suskind. This is narrated by Sean Barrett. And in this clip, it's the birth of John Baptiste. And Grenouille's mother, who was still a young woman, barely in her mid-twenties, and who still was quite pretty and had almost all her teeth in her mouth and some hair on her head and, except for gout and syphilis and a touch of consumption, suffered from no serious disease, who still hoped to live a while yet, perhaps a good five or ten years, 
and perhaps even to marry one day, and as the honourable wife of a widower with a trade or some such, to bear real children. Grenouille's mother wished that it were already over. And when the final contractions began, she squatted down under the gutting table, and there gave birth, as she had done four times before, and cut the newborn thing's umbilical cord with her gutting knife. But then, on account of the heat and the stench, which she did not perceive as such, but only as an unbearable, numbing something, like a field of lilies, or a small room filled with too many narcissi, she grew faint, toppled to one side, fell out from under the table into the street, and lay there, knife in hand. Wow, that's brilliantly read as well. Perfume yeah. by Patrick Suskind. Okay, favourite movie? What have you gone for? Favourite movie? I, again, have gone for two. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, Saving Private Ryan is one, and then The Martian. And again, I couldn't think, it's like jokes, I suppose. Somebody says, you know, tell your favourite joke and you can't think on the spot. And, you know, I'm I'm the same in a way because so many movies have, have been wonderful over the years, but they, they are two that stick out for me. Okay, well, let's have a clip from uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Tom Hanks and the ensemble cast fighting under heavy artillery on the beach. Rosanna, that can be a hard watch and that does not shirk from the reality of people getting killed and maimed during war. Yeah, I think that's why I respect it so much as a movie. Well, apart from the fact I'm a a big Tom Hanks fan, Um, but it is so sort of harrowing to watch and, and realistic. And there were times when I first saw it that I was watching it from behind my hands. Um, but then again, you know, I think it's important that we have these real representations of war. And um, I just think it's a, a well-made film that really comes down to family. And and the fact of war is that, you know, lives are being lost and families are being torn apart. So, you know, it's just a movie that is always been important to me and one I've watched time and time again. Okay, a favourite musical. What have you gone for? I've actually gone for Lion King um, because Wes and I, again, probably it's part of happy memories from a happy time, but uh, Wes and I, the first, so we met in 2006 and Valentine's Day 2007, we decided to go to New York together to celebrate our first Valentine's Day. And we went to see Lion King on Broadway and just just loved it. We just thought it was so, 
you know, uplifting. And, you know, if you're a fan of the movie as well, I suppose it's lovely to see the musical and the costumes were brilliant and the music. Um, and we, we loved it so much. We went to see it in London um, a while after that. I'll make a prediction for you, Rosanna. You'll see it again when your children end up doing it as a school play. I don't know how oh, many times perfect. I've ended up seeing <laughs> more than enough times as far as I'm concerned. But let's hear a little bit from Hakuna Matata performed by the original Broadway cast of The Lion King. Hakuna Matata What a wonderful phrase Hakuna Matata Ain't no passing craze It's our motto. What's a motto? Nothing. What's the motto with you? <laughs> Those two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Take Pumba here. Why? When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. He found his aroma lacked a certain appeal He could clear the savannah after every meal I'm a sensitive soul, though I seem thick-skinned And it hurt that my friends never stood downwind The Lion King. Okay, favourite TV show. I believe you don't get to see too much television now. You don't have the time. I don't get to see much TV, but I mean, Father Ted has always been a firm favourite. You know, growing up, um, my dad was friendly with um, Dermot Morgan. So he he did visit a couple of times when we were children and I nearly fell over with the shock of it when he walked into our sitting room. Um, and we still, I mean, as a family, when we get together, we still quote Father Ted, um, you know, from our favourite episodes. And I, I just find I'll watch it whenever it's on TV and it is on quite frequently on RTE and um, I, I just find it doesn't get old um, I always laugh no matter what Well we have a clip in which Father Ted of course played by Dermot Morgan and Father Dougal played by Ardle Hanlon attempt to rig a local raffle Right let's go you know what to do the birds are go Ted Okay come on Oh thank you Father Billy <laughs> and now let's get on to the important stuff the raffle uh, the last raffle I was at was very interesting because the people who ran the raffle actually won it. So it's not unusual for that to happen again. <laughs> okay, and the winning number is... Number 11. <laughs> number 11. Number 11, if anyone has that number, will they come up on stage? What's that you say, Father McGuire? You have the winning number. What? Oh, well done. Let's have a big round of applause for our very own Father Dougal McGuire. God almighty, Dougal. What are you doing? Sorry, Ted. I, I was looking at the ticket upside down. Well, congratulations to Father Dougal. Anyway, what a fantastic evening we've had. <laughs> we've raised enough money to repair the roof and we've had a great time. So let me just thank you all now for coming along and ask you to stand for our national anthem.
Tide. Okay, uh, to finish up, Rosanna Davison, I believe if you <laughs> haven't been able to see much television, you've had the opportunity to listen to a lot of podcasts recently. Yes, uh, so I, I walk a lot with the pushchairs with the kids. So we live beside the park, so I'm always out there. So I just find it easy to pop in the headphones and listen to podcasts. And there's one called We Do Science, which um, I've nearly listened to every episode in the last couple of months. And really, it's because I finished up my master's in personalized nutrition in 2019. And then obviously we went into lockdown, kids arrived, that kind of thing. And I suppose part of me fears forgetting everything I learned in the master's. And my favorite module was the, the sports science and nutrition module. So and this podcast is all about sports science, nutrition, um, you know, nutrition for athletes. And I just find the whole area fascinating. And I love just keeping up to date with you know, kind of the latest research and um, strategies, nutrition strategies for athletes and that kind of thing. So it's, I suppose, my way of keeping up to date and not forgetting everything I learned in my master's. OK, We Do Science, hosted by Dr. Laurence Bannock, although I believe you're also listening to a lot of current affairs and political podcasts at present as well. I am at the moment really just to, again, keep up to date as much as possible on what's happening in Ukraine. Um, really, I just wanted to hear about as well what was happening in the various, various cities in Ukraine as well. Um, so they're, they're the two really I listen to. I suppose with podcasts, you know, I, I appreciate that people love to laugh and love a funny podcast, but I love to just learn something, I suppose, from my podcasts because so much of my day is spent, you know, changing nappies and, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, soothing people to sleep and yep. singing and that kind of thing. So it's lovely just when I have a bit of time to myself just to, to listen to something more adult and educational. <laughs> All right, Rosanna Davison, thank you so much for joining us for the Culture Club today. Rosanna, thank of course, you. an ambassador for Cystic Fibrosis Ireland's 65 Roses Dales Day. And you can get details at www.65roses.ie. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4 30.